Leaning Toward Wisdom, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. It's season 2021, episode 11. Spend your time figuring out how to make the biggest difference. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I am your host here. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Spend your time figuring out how to make the biggest difference is exactly what is written across the top of the whiteboard here in my office, the Yellow Studio. In fact, there's a photograph of said whiteboard. If you go over to the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com, just find episode 11, season 2021, and you will see a photograph. That's exactly what it says. A friend uttered a challenge And the challenge is what is written in parentheses below the phrase to make the biggest difference. And that phrase is don't be afraid of scaling. It was a number of months ago that the friend told me that the context was professional pursuits. You know, it was namely me trying to figure out how to effectively serve more clients. And shortly after that, I did spend some quiet time as I am wont to do pondering time, I call it, trying to figure things out. Hey, I'm glad that you clicked play today. I hope you'll find some value in today's insights. That's the point, you know. We are all just trying to lean more heavily toward wisdom and further and further away from our own foolishness. As I hit the record button, I've been I've been working on this episode for And I probably shouldn't say this. It dawned on me the other day when I tell you that I've been working on an episode for an extended period of time. You're probably thinking, well, man, it it should have been a much better show than that if he spent that that much time working on it. I don't do it for that reason. I just do it. I don't know why I do it. I guess I do it to let you know that these are not not just random spur-of-the-moment kinds of thoughts. Uh, This has been going on for a few weeks now. I was going to hit the record button yesterday morning, but uh, the day just kind of got away from me. Well, that's not really true. That's not really true. The day got started incredibly slowly. Yesterday was Tuesday, July the 6th, 2021. Those of you that know me, which is everybody, all of you who listen and who have listened, uh, insomnia is just something that I have I started to say I've battled it. I haven't battled it at all. I've just, I've rather leaned into it. It is just, it's a lifelong habit. Um, but I, about every month, give or take, maybe three weeks, I'll just crash and burn. Well, I was at least three weeks overdue. <laughs> I crashed and burned. I went to bed at nine o'clock. That would have been Monday night. Is that right? Yeah, that would have been July the 4th course you know you're not going to go to bed really at nine o'clock because i mean the fireworks were going off and you could hear the boom and all that uh so nine o'clock didn't exactly happen but i i got i got i went to bed at nine o'clock i'll put it that way and i don't know probably by 11 o'clock yeah okay now i'm kind of getting drowsy and whatnot i woke up at 1 30 the next morning <laughs> So I completely, the whole morning, just my, to be fair, my schedule was clear and I knew this and I just, I felt this coming. I felt it coming. I felt it coming and I laid down. I don't know if it was the day of the fourth might've been laid down for like an hour and a half, which I never do during the day. And so, yeah, I mean. You go to bed one night, next thing you you do, you wake up and it's like, okay, it's almost, 
it's almost time for bed again, except you're a day late and a dollar short story of my life. So I was going to record, but obviously that kind of threw me off kilter. And so now I'm getting around to it today. Today is Wednesday, July the 7th, 7-7-2021. Now, let me tell you straight up, because I posted this picture of my whiteboard, which says, spend your time figuring out how to make the biggest difference. And below that in parentheses is don't be afraid of scaling. Don't fret if you have zero interest in hearing about professional or work pursuits, because that really isn't the point of today's show. And the lessons here, they transcend that. I think you're going to be able to make application, I think solid application to really any endeavor in your life. In fact, I'm going to be sharing my own insights in a variety of personal and maybe professional person. I don't, we'll just see how this goes. Okay. Universally, universally, I think we can agree that we certainly can relate to that phrase, making the biggest difference that, that whole notion, that whole idea. I mean, who among us wants to pursue something that makes a minuscule difference? Who wants to endeavor to embark on something and spend all of their time and their activity in something that's not going to make any difference? <laughs> so the big question is the biggest difference. Well, okay. First things first, we have to define the biggest difference. And I think this is ridiculously individual and personal. You have heard me talk about the ideal outcome. In fact, I own that domain name because it has become such a staple in my coaching practice. The ideal outcome, I will ask clients over and over and over again, think about, let's talk about, ponder and get it really down. What is your ideal outcome in this thing? Because few things are more powerful than each one of us coming to terms with and seeing very clearly what our ideal outcome may be. Now, yes, other people can try to persuade us, you know, the journey is the thing. Now, I, listen, I'm always challenging clients to gain a clear focus on what they most would like to achieve, the ideal outcome. The journey is not the thing. The destination is the thing. I know it goes against popular culture, but sorry, popular culture is wrong. <laughs> we have aims. We have goals. We have objectives. Here's the thing about the biggest difference or the ideal outcome. It's subject to change. I mean, in fact, they should change when we are armed with new insights, new information, new experiences. Things change. We change. And so should our ideal outcome, a.k.a. so should the biggest difference that we seek. About a month or so ago, I released a podcast episode at the work podcast, growgreat.com, and it was a podcast that was born from these kinds of ideas. So this has been on my mind for a long, long time. And it was my first mention of all of this stuff as it relates to my work and me just trying to figure this stuff out. I'll put a link to this in the show notes for today's episode. Again, this is, what is this episode 11 season 2021, but the title of that podcast over at growgreat.com was traction and momentum pursuing the things that work after killing the things that don't. And prior to recording that show, I had a few conversations with people about irons in the fire. Now irons in the fire is just my metaphor for activities and pursuits. And we all have irons in the fire. We're all pursuing a variety of things that we hope will succeed. It's why the irons in the fire. Some of us have a lot of irons in the fire and we keep putting more irons in the fire. Others of us are more selective and we're more careful about the irons that we're willing to place into the flame. Me, you know, I ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm selective. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm way more willing to say yes. Overall, I would tell you that I'm probably way more willing to say yes than to say no. Experience has taught me that what we say no to can be as important, if not more important than what we say yes to. Now, I believe in serendipity and as a man who is just a man in search of an epiphany, I'm always looking for an epiphany. And you know, my, my logic is if I say yes, I, you never know. Right. But if I say no, okay, well, we do know, <laughs> we know that won't work out because we said no to it. 
So when it comes to some business kinds of pursuits, I can be really tempted to say yes. Now, I don't say yes all the time. So let's be really fair here. I'm way more discriminating than that. And I don't have trouble saying no to people. Um, I just, I'm the draw of the happy accident. The serendipity is the attraction for me on my whiteboard below the stuff that you see in that picture that I posted, I drew some flames to represent the fire. And then I drew a number of lines to represent the various pursuits that are irons in my fire. And I try to just draw everything that I do professional, personal, all the activities that I engage in every day, every week. Then I drew two diagonal lines close together through the irons that I felt like I want to kill these. I'm still working on it, but as of right now, there are seven irons in the fire. I have those kill lines, those die. I have those kill lines across two of them. And I have a question mark on one of the others. That leaves four irons that I currently think I would like to keep in the fire. Now, again, not all of these are personal. Some of these are professional. Some are personal. I'm not sure how this is all going to end up because, well, I'm still figuring it out. The point is not every iron in our fire is going to get hot enough to be productive. I think logically we know this, but we don't think enough about it, at least not enough to do something with it. Some irons are going to be hot and get hot. Some won't. There are two challenges as I see it. A, figuring out which irons you care about most and B, figuring out which irons have the greatest opportunity to get hot, to gain traction, to gain momentum. And I don't know that either one of those things is necessarily an easy thing to figure out. You would think, well, sure, I can figure out which irons I care the most about. Well, okay, when it comes to removing them, you might find that a bit more difficult. Which ones have the greatest opportunity to get hot? Well, unless you see some momentum or traction being gained in one over the other, that too can be difficult to discern. Think of a time when you felt stretched thin. Well, hey, maybe it's right now. Maybe it once was. Maybe it feels like it's always been that way. Try writing down on a piece of paper or on whiteboard the activities. Just the activities. Get them all down. Now, in full disclosure, I did not write down all of mine because some of mine are non-negotiable. That is, I didn't list every iron in the fire because some of the irons are so important, they are just a given. I'm not going to negotiate them. I don't care what people think about the big difference that they make or they don't make. They're just, they're just that important. So for me, it's more a matter of having, having these things and knowing this is how it's going to be. And I'm not budging on it no matter what. Have you got anything like that? Well, let me give you an example for mine, like being a Christian. It's not negotiable. That iron's never coming out of the fire. Being a husband being a dad, being a grandfather. These are irons that are in the fire. They're going to stay in that fire until I'm dead. I just simply have to get each one of those as right as I possibly can. So yes, I want to improve all of those. Okay. AKA I want the irons to get hotter. There is never going to be a time in my life when I can take any of those irons for granted or remove them. They are the most critical irons in my fire. Okay. What are yours? You got some, the other irons that I did write down, they include, well, they include all the podcasts, including this one. When it comes to traction or momentum, you know, I don't much care. Now that doesn't mean that I don't care about you. The folks who give me your time and your attention, you people who are listening, I I care very deeply about that and you, but you really are a cherry on top of a world-class Sunday for me. I'm doing this particular podcast because I want to, and maybe better said, because I have to, to record some things as they are happening or as I'm thinking of them. It's important to me to speak for myself and to chronicle journal some things. I've always been honest and I've always been transparent that this podcast is mostly a legacy project. That's how it began. And that's likely how it's going to end. So keeping this iron in the fire is a pretty easy decision for me, not because it's high value for you, which I hope it is, but because it is high value for me. 
Okay, so how can you determine what makes the biggest difference? As you're looking at these irons that you have in the fire, these activities that you engage in, how can you tell what's going to make the biggest difference? Well, let me share with you how I'm going about it. Keep in mind, I don't claim to have figured this out yet. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm in the throes of trying to figure this out. And here's the thing about figuring it out. Do you ever really know when you've achieved it? I mean, do you ever really, do you ever really achieve it? Or do you just get closer and closer and closer? I don't know the answers. So, hey, we just keep pushing forward, right? Now, first of all, I can pretty easily figure out what isn't making the biggest difference. I mean, I know the things that aren't moving forward. I know when things have stopped working. I know when things have stopped working well. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're tempted to hang on to those things in hopes that we can figure out how to recapture the magic. If there ever was any magic before, I mean, if it was working before, but now it's not, well, we can spend way too much time trying to, okay, we need to get that back. Or if it's not worked and it's never worked, but we think, yeah, but just a little bit more time and, and, and it may work. I'm doing my dead level best to try to figure out how to turn the page and let go. And I'm painfully aware of the truth that just because you've invested an inordinate amount of time in trying to make something successful does not mean that you should keep it going, but that's what we do. It's largely what we do, you know, an, an old sales tactic of the car dealers. And I suppose it's still in play to keep you, we can buy things online in a matter of a few clicks, but it still takes you hours and hours and hours to purchase a car. You know why? The more time that you invest, they know the odds are that you're not going to leave without a car because you're going to think in your head, you know, man, life, we, we've been here all afternoon. We ain't leaving here without a car. <laughs> and they use that to their advantage. Now, I'm not throwing car dealers under the bus. I'm not saying that all of them enjoy that tactic, but it's an old, 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 old tactic of negotiation. The more time spent at the table, the more the motivation is to get a deal done. We've invested so much time. We need to make this pan out and we can do the same exact thing with our fires and the irons in them. It's been in the, man, I've had this iron in the fire for years and it's not paid off. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I lose all that time, right? And that's how our brains work to foil us. I've got all this time spent trying to get this iron hot and it ain't hot. It's not even warm, ah, but it might be, it might get warm. It could get warm, you know? <laughs> yeah. We fool ourselves. We completely fool ourselves. I have a really difficult time sometimes in letting go um, not so much in this context of an iron in the fire, but just with things in general, you know, cause I can listen when you're a pondering person, your pondering can absolutely get in your way. And it does sometimes for me. So I'm really doing my dead level best trying to, to learn how to turn a page and let go. My wife can do it really well. In fact, she does it instinctively, which is great for her. The problem is it makes her ability to teach me impossible because she doesn't really know how she does it. She just does it. One of the best tools that's helped me combat all of this is the realization that I'm wasting time that would be better spent in pursuing a different course and then understanding that that was then and this is now. Okay, what may have worked and it's not working now, well, that was then, this is now, that's fine. Everything has a time. And if the time has passed, when I once had traction in something that was making a big difference, but now the traction is completely gone, then I'm faced with the reality. Okay, well, I can spin my wheels and I can go nowhere, or I can work to find traction in something new. And frankly, I can tell you, it's far more invigorating to search for a new traction. So I'm learning to turn loose and move on. And it's not easy, but it's doable. Next, I will gauge my interest. I'll gauge my passion. If something worked well before, but now it's not working, then I know I need to get in really good touch with my energy level for the thing. I mean, some years ago, I had a life altering event and it disrupted some things that had become, well, second nature for me. 
making the biggest difference that I could. You know, circumstances change. Uh, opinions sometimes do too. And suddenly, through no fault of my own, I was seen by some as less than what I was prior. Even though I had done nothing and my oldest mentors were urging me to deal with the question, how have you changed? And the answer always came back, well, I, I haven't. I haven't changed. But, you know, people are people, and sometimes you have to deal with the harsh judgments of a few other people, and it's not comfortable. It's absolutely not comfortable when you're on the receiving end of that judgment, but pride being what it is, I understood what was happening. When life punches you in the gut, you need a moment or two to get back to your feet. I just needed a moment or two. And during those moments, I saw the clamoring that goes on when people enjoy looking down on other people. I mean, come on, we all know it. There are ambitious people who want, they want even more glory and it's just how life works. And that whole kick a man while he's down, well, there's a, it's a truism. It's not just an adage. And it wasn't long until I gauged my own passion for work that I had been doing much of my adult life. And I realized I just kind of, I'd lost the energy for it in this context. Was it because the events and the circumstances? Well, absolutely. But mostly it was a result of a few people. I mean, a select very few people who enjoyed seeing the sorrow happen to somebody else, namely me. You know, people like that. People whose lives are made better because, well, you're suffering and I'm not. And boy, I'm glad. And that makes me better than you. Now, initially, I resisted my change in energy because I didn't want a few people to overshine what I felt was the majority opinion. Because you see, my personal tragedy, it was not celebrated by most people, but it was celebrated by a few. And in such times, the racket of the few, it just drowns out the majority. It's kind of like social media. If you pay really close attention to social media, you will find that there is a relatively small number of people who are rock throwers, but boy, do they make a racket. And what I discovered over time is that I had always, and I do mean always behaved and gone about my work quietly operating mostly below the radar, out of sight, out of mind, right where I mostly enjoy operating. Here's the difference. I am a vocal and communicative introvert. So I made a conscious decision about three years ago. I made a conscious decision to get very quiet, which was surprisingly easy. And it's frankly, it's easier now. Well, better yet, I didn't grow quiet. I, I went silent in this particular area of my life. And I'm still silent in that area as I have been for almost three years. And I'm, I'm good with it fact, I don't see it changing because I have learned, I've learned what was always true for me. The one person matters more to me because I know that I can best serve the one person. Enter here, Miss Lauren Isley's little parable or proverb, whichever it may be, that I think best typifies my life. One day, a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking up and gently throwing things into the ocean. Approaching the boy, he asked, young man, what are you doing? The boy replied, throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up and the tide is going out. If I don't throw them back, they'll die. The man laughed to himself and said, do you realize there are miles and miles of beach and hundreds of starfish? You can't make any difference. After listening politely, the boy bent down, picked up another starfish and threw it into the surf. And then smiling at the man said, made a difference to that one. It's important to understand exactly what drains your energy and what increases it. I had known this all along, but I had forgotten during my time of sorrow and sadness. And so basically I just reclaimed it and it made not only a difference to the one, but it, boy, did it make a difference to me. Now, these are the two big ways that I have found I can push forward to figuring out how to make the biggest difference. As I told you, it's still a work in progress, but I do know I'm making progress. Where can you make the biggest difference? It's not likely just one area, but what if it was? I mean, who cares? A big difference is a big difference. Some of us can have a bigger impact than others. Some of us are more talented. Some of us are more ambitious, harder working. 
some of us are known and we know more people. Others of us, like me, okay, just far more comfortable working, working the spotlight. Let me work the spotlight, and I'll name the spotlight at somebody else who does their best work under the lights because I don't know that that's where I belong. And rather than judge it, I just lean into being more, more of who I believe I really am. Now, I believe all of us should be challenged to be the best version of ourselves. Don't just lean into, well, this is, I'm, I'm, this is just who I am. You know, I'm just a ne'er-do-well lying sack of you-know-what. No, let's be the best version of ourselves we can be and then let it ride. And this is what I've learned, especially over the last three years or so. My proactivity is still intact, but it has changed. I am not a passive person. I don't wait for the cavalry to come. Now, sometimes I wish they would, but life has taught me they never do. That proactive nature is something that I have tried all of my life to leverage for good, but sometimes it can frustrate me. And in one big area of my life, I have let it go by just submitting to whatever the group most wants. It's that same area where I've grown quiet. And today I'm very satisfied doing whatever, whatever the group most wants. And if the group isn't able to figure that out, I'm really not inclined to contribute or to nudge forward in the least. In fact, I'm rather more contented to just shrink back even further and give the group the opportunity to wrestle with and struggle this for themselves. I mean, come on, it is how we all grow and improve. My nature is to help the group figure it out more quickly. That's why I'm a professional coach for leaders and executives. I don't want to figure it out for other people because, well, that's not helpful to them. I want to be proactive, though, in helping people figure it out. And sometimes I have learned the biggest difference you can make is to realize that you can no longer make any difference at all. So you let things ride. Professionally, clients don't pay me to let things ride. Now, they, they pay you hoping that you can help them in ways that nobody else can. And that works well for me. While in one area of my life, I'm rather resigned, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean it in all the positive ways, I'm anything but resigned in another area. In fact, my ambitions in coaching professionals has gone up exponentially, yeah, likely due to a shift in my life caused by some personal sorrow, struggle, sadness, sorrow. I mean, aren't these some of your greatest instructors? Yeah, me too. I wish it were different. I wish the biggest positive differences in my life had come from wild, insane success, but it just is not so. No, colossal failure, enormous heartache, crippling sorrow have been my best teachers. Where you are matters. Back in May, I turned 64. Come January, Lord willing, Rhonda and I will have been married for 44 years. We have been a couple since July 1975, 46 years. We've been together two and a half times longer than we haven't. That's one perspective. It's a big perspective. We have five grandkids ranging in age from 14 to six. We're less than a year away from qualifying for Medicare, right? I mean, this is, this is where we are. This is just reality. We have new goals that we've established in the last year or so, personal goals, professional goals. I mean, because quite a lot has changed. No, things haven't worked out as ideally in every area of life as we'd hoped, but you know, you stand in the batter's box and you're looking at life's pitches and you're deciding what you're going to swing at, what you're going to let go by. And at this stage of life, you worry about different things like being left alone, like some serious illness overtaking one or both of you, like the grandkids, like the curveballs that you know are coming. You just hope that you recognize them quickly enough so you can adjust and deal with them. Context. It's your context. Where are you right now in life? What's your context? Full well knowing that it's subject to change. In fact, it's going to change. Just give it a moment or two. What may be your ideal outcome at this very moment, what may be my ideal outcome at this very moment, may not be our ideal outcome 30 days from now. But it could be. You and me, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. We're going to have to figure things out. Lately, I've been thinking quite a lot about the tragic circumstances that other people have faced and some who, well, they're still facing them. I'm thinking about people who have endured the death of a mate. I'm thinking about people who have endured a bad diagnosis, the loss of a job, an entire career for that matter. 
The negative impact of a foolish, poor behaving adult child or a grandchild, the stories of suffering, man, they are comprehensive and widespread. And we've all got our share, some more than others. I look at where people once were and where they are now, including myself. And I watch as people attempt to navigate these uncharted waters in their lives, knowing that well, they're not uncharted at all, really, because countless millions have endured similar things, but it's new to them, each of us handling it in our own unique way, admittedly some better than others, some able to make things better by leaning toward wisdom in their crisis, others, okay, yeah, absolutely making things worse because they're leaning toward their own foolishness and selfishness. It's largely the difference between being victimized by life or being energized by a refusal to be victimized. Seems to me that these are the two big choices we have to make as we examine where we are. I'm largely a victim of my own doing, nothing more, nothing less, and so are you. Now, admittedly, I choose that perspective. Where I currently am is very different than where I've been before, contextually. But, you know, it's not really much different at all, really, not when I consider the perspective of my own responsibility and my own accountability. Life owes me nothing, absolutely nothing, because my life, like yours, in my life, random chance has occurred. And along the way, the realization that I, like everybody else who has ever lived or whoever will live, we have all been blessed, blessed by a God above who set in motion things like air to breathe and rain to fall and sunshine to shine. Blessed mostly that we have a God, a creator, who provided all of us a savior so that we could avoid dying in our sins, separated from God's great favor. I mean, it's like a forgiving friend who offers us a way to be redeemed from our betrayal. God has given every human being a path forward. Never mind that we don't see it. Never mind that some of us don't want to see it. Never mind that we don't all obey him or even acknowledge that he exists. It doesn't remove the fact that he does indeed exist and that he did indeed do these things and is doing these things because we can't do them for ourselves, namely redeem ourselves. You know, maybe you've had the perfect, most ideal life. I rather doubt it. I rather suspect that you have endured parents who weren't perfect and you as a parent, if you are or were, Neither were you. Bosses who may have been tyrannical, a career that's been up and down. Finances, well, they've ebbed and flowed as well with more of one than the other. I mean, in short, I think I'm on rather safe ground to assume that your life has been anything but perfect or ideal. I'm betting that your life has had as many or more days of crying and laughing. I'm betting that you have endured more days of gloom than joy. And it's not because I'm a pessimist, because I'm not, not really. It's because I now more than ever, I'm experienced at life and it's just how life works. That doesn't negate. That does not minimize the joy. It does not minimize the laughter. It doesn't minimize the good times because I'm betting that you've had many of those too. Okay. Maybe not enough, but there's never enough, you know, for a moment or two, let's consider where you are right now. Because that's what matters. Well, if we're going to move forward and make a big difference, that's what, that's what matters. I have an appointment at a local city hall. I'm on my way to a coaching engagement. I know the way. But here in DFW, we have this thing called traffic. And with every destination, there are multiple routes to take. A great way to go at 8 a.m. may be the least ideal path forward at 9 a.m. So I fire up Waze. W-A-Z-E. It's an app on my iPhone, and it routes the quickest path between where I am and where I want to go. Waze uses location recognition to know where I currently am. And without that bit of information, well, Waze can't possibly function. Not at all. Where you currently are matters. So we'd best be coming to terms with where we are. You know, something has occurred to me as I've grown older People hate growing older, <laughs> men and women alike. I mean, for some reason, my newsfeed, I use Yahoo News. Don't ask. It's, it's an old, old habit that I've had. I've, I've had Yahoo News as a homepage. Well, I can tell you when. It used to be Excite. You remember Excite? Okay, well, when Excite bit the dust, I'm like, I don't, I don't like all these homepages. I just, you know, I just want, 
I just want some basic overview of kind of what's happening in the world. And so Yahoo News is it. But (laughs) I am fed every day. I am fed way too many older women pretending to still be young. Now, to be fair, I get a reasonable amount of older men as well, like Kevin Costner or Gordon Ramsay. You know, I hardly ever click on these, but clearly I I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting Yahoo knows too much about me. Yahoo knows that I'm old for sure. I I'm supposing that Yahoo thinks that I'm going to be interested in all the Instagram pics of the likes of Elizabeth Hurley, who seems intent on posting bikini pics, I guess almost daily. I don't click on these. I don't, I I admit I clicked on, I clicked on them once. I'm like, what, why would a 56 year old woman be posting bikini pics. I don't know. Yeah. I Google that. I Googled her age. I didn't know how old she was. <laughs> Listen, you know, I don't care how hot Elizabeth Hurley is or still is. I don't care if her abs are awesome. I mean, good for her, but if she posts as many Instagram pics as Yahoo news claims that she does, I mean like multiple times every week, I just wonder what, what is this all about? I don't, I don't understand this. It's just kind of odd to me. Don't you think? I mean, if she's 56, as Google reports, I wonder where is she currently at in her life? I mean, other than in a bikini all the time. I mean, is she, does she think she's 26? I mean, what do I know? I clearly don't know enough. Yahoo clearly knows too much. Listen, I am not bemoaning somebody who can maintain some degree of hotness into their 50s or 60s or beyond. Kudos to you, you know, but as somebody in their sixties, I just don't much understand why the world has to know about it or why it would matter to me as a Yahoo news homepage guy, but I'm not trying to hang on to something that is long past like my youth. Well, truth is I wasn't trying to hang on my youth back when I had it because I was the kid who I couldn't wait to grow up. You know, even if you're a hot 26 year old, I just don't much understand the whole world needs to see it. I clearly have a whole lot to learn. I'm not sure I want to learn it, but (laughs) I digress. Listen, the point is knowing where you currently are. For instance, I know I am not Instagram hot, (laughs) but there is a newsflash. Okay. There's the biggest truth of the entire program. You can just, you can hit the stop button right now. Show's over. Let's all go home. That's a mic drop moment. I am not Instagram hot said Randy. On July the 7th, 2021. I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's just my reality. Well, actually it's the truth because so that just makes it universally the reality that I am not Instagram hot. So before you fire up whatever ways app that you use to live your life, you got to figure out where you are. There's the point. And that likely matters more than where you want to go. Although both do matter. Because remember, we're working toward figuring out how to make the biggest difference. Okay, I can hear I can hear some of you guys saying, "Well, Elizabeth Hurley's Instagram pics are making a pretty big di- they're making a pretty big difference." And, you know, okay, come on, surely we can do better than some vanity metric of however many Instagram followers or likes Elizabeth Hurley gets in a bikini pic. It's been years since I was at Six Flags Over Texas, but you know they always had these big maps behind glass so that patrons could kind of figure out how to get from where they are to where they want to go. And the first thing you you do when you look at these maps is you're looking for that X. Well, X marks the spot that is labeled. You are here. And until you can locate, you are here. It doesn't matter where you want to go. You can sit here and go, Oh, wait, this is it. This is, this is where we want to go right here. Well, that's great. And that's wonderful. You can point to it all you want, but until we know where we are, it ain't going to matter because we don't know how to get there. So where's the X in your life that is marked? You are here lately. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of private pilots. I do this every now and again. This is not a first time kind of a, of a niche interest that has captured my attention. I've done this for years and you can listen and you can watch these pilots as they shift from channel to channel, to channel, to channel, to channel, and from one direction setting to another direction setting from one altitude to another. I mean, these pilots are constantly shifting, constantly adjusting. And of course it depends on the plane and some planes require a lot more of that effort than others, but they all require the adjustment, every single one of them. 
because as their position changes, they are being told by air traffic control to adjust so they can eventually get to their desired, desired destination. And with flying, you know, come on, you would think, well, as the crow flies, right? So you think, well, a straight line that is always in play. And, but sometimes things happen like increased air traffic or weather, maybe a mechanical problem. I mean, lots of things can happen. And even if the direction does seem mostly in a straight line, if you consider the adjustment in height altitude, it's very up and down, go up a thousand feet, drop down a thousand feet, go up 500 feet. I mean, it's, it's always amazed me at the focus required and the steady adjustments that are needed to take a small private aircraft from one airport to another. And you know why? Same thing with your life. It's all because the location isn't static. That plane is always on the move. And so is your life. Well, where's air traffic control when you need them? I mean, I've already shared with you where mine is. Did you catch it? God. Not in some God spoke to me last night and told me to take that job kind of a way, but in the Bible, God speaks to everybody kind of a way. I mean, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, the scripture says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That's the new King James. The old King James says God is no respecter of persons. Well, you know what this means? This means God isn't going to do something uniquely special for you that he won't do for me or somebody else. I know people enjoy thinking that God is their personal assistant. He's their personal genie. He does for them things that he doesn't do for other people, but the Bible doesn't teach that. So I don't mean it in that way. The Bible clearly shows me that God cares about eternity. God cares about salvation in heaven, and he cares about us avoiding the condemnation of hell. Yeah, the Bible says that God wants everybody to be saved. Well, that changes everything. Because I can now know that no matter what happens to me here in this life, my eternal destiny, it can be secured if I just follow and obey God. Well, that's a game changer. And it's demonstrated in how the early disciples in the first century were able to endure such persecution, such hardship in this life. Why the apostles mostly suffered being murdered for their faith. I mean, these are, these are not happy outcomes in this life. Doesn't matter doesn't matter because eternity is where the biggest reward is found and those rewards don't have to be impacted negatively by what happens to us here unless we let them well that's even more game changing but day to day we sometimes wish that a person would just tell us the path so that we could correct i mean like these air traffic controllers we just wish somebody would direct us like our planes are being directed by these people in these towers I mean, if only somebody would just tell me to adjust my course a few degrees in this direction or that direction. Nope, we're having to fly our own planes and serve as our own air traffic controllers. It's our life. It's not easy, but it's what is required as we navigate our life. We do need something from which to measure. I've shared with you what my true north is, God. But God's word doesn't speak to what I do for a living, right? I mean... God isn't telling me to be a professional executive leadership coach. God is directing me to provide and work and do something honorable, legal, within the bounds of what he requires. But, man, that gives me a ton of latitude and altitude from which to choose. So I have to deploy wisdom. I have to think for myself and discern and figure these things out. My own wisdom and the wisdom of others I'm happy to deploy that as best I can, but I alone have to make the choice. And so do you. And then we have to work to figure out if we got it mostly right, mostly wrong, or somewhere in between, because this much is sure adjustment is going to be required. You're going to have to make adjustments. The realization that you are a finite resource. There's only so much of you to go around. That's just a fact. Now we enjoy thinking that yeah, we're a limitless powerhouse. We are able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Okay, maybe two. But at some point, hopefully sooner than later, meaning hopefully younger, not older, we learn that we have capacity limits. And frankly, in just about every area of our life, except our ability to learn, grow, and improve, we can always get better at those. But there are limits. 
I mean, you've got people limits. No, there aren't any limit to the number of people you can meet, be introduced to, or know. But there absolutely are limits to the number of people that you can be close enough to, safe enough with, to serve in the deepest way possible. And rather than lament that, you probably should be grateful that for some, you are exactly the right person. And you know what this means. It means that that gives other people the opportunity to serve the folks who feel most comfortable with them. It's not a competition here. Nobody, this includes you and me, nobody is the right person for everybody. It's just not possible. So let it go. There are time limits. We mostly know this, even though we don't live as though we know it. We squander more time than probably anything. And mostly I'm guessing because, well, yesterday was much like the day before, and we expect today it's going to go pretty much like yesterday did. And tomorrow, well, our expectation is tomorrow is going to be pretty much like today was until it's not. And life shakes us. And suddenly we're facing an unknown. And as soon as we endure that crisis or that celebration, guess what happens? Yeah, things largely return to normal, back to a routine. And the routine keeps us sane, but it does lull us into thinking that we've got more time. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. You have to say no before you can say yes. And this can be really hard. Harder still when you are upping the stakes as I have in today's show by challenging us to spend our time figuring out how to make the biggest difference. I mean, talk about putting pressure on it. Well, why not? What are you going to kill today so that something else can live and more abundantly? And don't fool yourself into thinking that everything that you're doing can survive and thrive. That may be possible if you are narrowly focused, but almost everybody I know is far, we've got far more irons in the fire than the fire can heat up. So what happens is our irons never get quite hot enough to do much good. Yeah, sure. You can think, well, I just need to build a bigger fire. Most of us lack the talent or the know-how to do that. And most of us do not yet understand how that works. That big fire thing. We see successful people who are into this and that and the other problem. We didn't see them before their big success. We didn't see them when their fire looked like our fire. Back when they had a single focus because their fire, well, it looked just like ours, pretty small. No, we're looking at them now and their success, their financial success stoked their fire, made it much, much bigger. And today they can easily accommodate irons that the rest of us can't. Yeah, being rich has clear advantages, to be sure. I've seen this for decades. People see rich folks who have multiple streams of income and conclude, well, that's what I need to do. The reason they're rich is because they have multiple streams of income. No, they have multiple streams of income because they're rich. And it afforded them these opportunities. And what happens largely is people fail because, well, nothing gains traction. Too many irons in the fire. Trying to pursue what they thought was the thing that produced the wealth. No, that's not the thing that produced the wealth. The reality is nearly all rich folks got rich in some singular arena. Real estate, oil, technology, something specific, something singular. And depending on the degree of financial reward sparked by that thing, other avenues opened up connections, opportunities, they open up as the wealth increases. And for good reason, wealthy folks have the sought after resource, money, influence, power. The rich aren't getting rich because of anything sinister. Well, they could be. They're getting rich because it's the law of resource opportunity. They've got bigger fires, but we're watching them closely. We're watching them closely after they have ascended. We don't see them on the journey up. We don't even know who they are. Not until they've made it. Now they're rich, and now we pay attention to them. And they're into real estate and stocks and Bitcoin, professional sports team ownership, tons more. They didn't start out that way. They started out being what in search of excellence called monomaniacs on a mission. Monomaniacs on a mission. If you are going to get an iron hot enough to do something productive, then you have to narrow the focus. And that means you got to jettison the stuff that isn't moving you forward. The stuff that isn't working out, the things that 
take away from the stuff that matters most. Your big impact is hampered by being too diluted, chasing too many things. I've always been a media company. Not a successful one, mind you, but <laughs> a media company nonetheless. And so when you look at that photograph of my whiteboard, you're going to see some things that I write down that I know are necessary when I create content. High value to my audience. That's the objective. I do it by being myself. Rather than chase people who want to be thought leaders, I do it by incorporating my whole self. Not as a guru because I'm not one. Not as a thought leader because I don't even know what they do exactly. And not as a book author because I've not yet written a book. And honestly, I don't figure I ever will. But you never know. What I do know is it's not in the plans. I do what I do and I do it the way I do it because I know that we're just a bunch of humans who are trying to figure things out. And I know this, I know that if a guy sitting inside a home studio in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, dubbed the yellow studio can share some insights and experience and wisdom, then that may, it just may have some value. Will it make a big difference? That's for each one of you to decide for me. I have to figure out how I can make the biggest difference. That doesn't mean it's going to be enormous. It doesn't even mean it's going to be big by anybody's standards other than what I'm capable of. Because if it helped you, then I consider it a success. Because I'm still the little boy answering the questioning old man. Made a difference to that one. There it is, episode 11. It doesn't seem like enough, does it? <laughs> 11 episodes in one year, and we're already into July. Hey, it is what it is. I hope that you are helped in spending some time to figure out how to make your biggest difference. It's not a matter of changing the world. I think it mainly is a matter of improving somebody else's world and thereby improving your own. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. This is Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. <laughs>